Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Friday night, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice. Glad you're part of the show, as always. David Zier going to be here doing some news. Rick Delgado as well on a Friday. Glad you're here. Lots to get to. Uh, The indictment of President Trump on 37 federal accounts was released earlier this afternoon. We'll get to that as well. Uh, first of all, uh, Rick Delgado, how are you? I am well. How about yourself? Very good. Very good. David Zier, how are you? I'm uh, better today. Good. And, uh, right. I will never stop <laughs> fighting for our country. There you go. All right. And, very good. Uh, I'm well. Thank you. Uh, there's plenty to fight about and talk about. Um, and I guess, you know, it, it shows like this that obviously I wish I was an attorney or I wish. Um, yeah, me too. Because you feel you feel like, you know, you, you're kind of the short end of the stick, especially for the audience and trying to get to the bottom of this because. Um, well, you know, I try to go to other people who know more about it, obviously. So I think maybe a good place to start. Now, first of all, did you see. Uh, Levin last night on Hannity. No, but I heard about it. Oh, my I think, Lord. I think everybody heard about it at this point. David, did you see it? I didn't. Oh, uh, my Lord. He laid waste to this whole thing. Now, obviously, this is all before this thing came out. So when it came out, I'll just give you, and again, not being an attorney, as you start to read it, I'm reading it and going, man, some of this does not sound good. I have a lot of Tom Fitton stuff, though, today. He's okay. Been all right, good. Too. Um, so Levin said today, and then we'll get into my first take on when I looked at it, because there's a lot of first things um, to talk about here. Number one being that clearly, as we have talked about, they have leaked like a sieve directly from the DOJ. There is no question about that. Hey, I heard that was against the law. The leaks? CNN ran a piece, I think it was this morning, and I tweeted it saying, oh, yeah, I'm sure, this is, I'm sure this is accurate. It was word for word <laughs> accurate. Like, so accurate that there's no way that it didn't come directly straight from the indictment, which hadn't obviously been unsealed at the time they ran this piece. And I'll show it to you, and then I'll read you the indictment. It's exact. There are so many things in here that were, were leaked that are word for word exactly what what is in this thing. So Levin says, my first take on this, when an indictment is released, as in the case of President Trump today, it presents a completely one-sided story developed by the prosecutor. Witnesses are not represented by attorneys. 
There is no opportunity for cross-examination. There is no opportunity for presenting exculpatory information. It is not a trial jury. The indictment appears to me to be a piling on, which explains why the prosecution brought in as many witnesses and documents as possible, cherry-picking information, etc. Even now, nobody is present to deal with these charges in the media. For example, why is it assumed in some instances that the movement of some boxes was for the purpose of concealment? Remember, virtually none of this would be an issue, but for the original decision by the Biden White House and the DOJ to turn this into a criminal case. Most of what is claimed in these charges flow from that exact decision. An attorney-client privilege was circumvented in at least one instance, I would argue, which will be the basis for challenge among many other things. If any of the alleged evidence is based on violations of privilege, due process, etc., it would result in the prosecution having to figure out what parts of that information was used to poison other witnesses or the presentation of information to the grand jury. Now they are trashing the federal judge in Miami. We'll get to that. Uh, For the arraignment, perhaps the entire case, because she's a Trump appointee. The judges handling all motions respecting the grand jury were Obama appointees. And that did not draw any criticism of the same critics now, of course. So I think that's probably a good jumping off point to remember. And who is that again? That was from Levin on Twitter okay, today. Levin. But Levin last night on, on Hannity was obviously before this thing got unsealed. <laughs> right. Because, because that doesn't sound like, from what I heard Levin was saying last night. No, That's he not, was. That sounds very uh, uh, contained and, and. Very and, lawyerish, right, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, last night was not. Last night was pure fire and anger, which I think we all felt. I mean, but when you read this thing, and again, uh, keeping what I just said about Levin in mind, there are some things, though, that make you shake your head. But you have, again, and I know it's one-sided, and I know this is just their side of it. Um, but just so let's just go through this. 37 counts, counts 1 through 31, are violation of USC 18793E, willful retention of national defense information. All right, can, can I pause you there for a second? Yep. 37 counts. No, 31 counts. 37 total, yes. Wasn't that the same number in New York? No. No? Well, I don't in believe the 30s. so. It was in the 30s. I thought it was in the 30s. I thought it was 37. 34, I, I, I could maybe? be wrong. I'll, I'll double check. Well, even if it is, what, what's, what's the point? I just think it's weird. It's like, how do you, oh. end, up, how do you end up with, you know, oh, uh, uh, paying somebody off with so much, you know, these other things that are supposed to be so big, but you end up basically with the same amount of counts? Give or take one or two. That's just interesting. Okay. Um, Max term of imprisonment for 1 through 31, 10 years. Mandatory minimum term of imprisonment, if applicable. Uh, Max supervised release, 3 years. Maximum fine, 250,000. Those are counts 1 through 31. Count 32, conspiracy to obstruct justice, 18 U.S.C. 1512. Now, what's interesting about this one is, of course, to file this uh, conspiracy, you got to have more than one person. So who's the second person? Everybody was wondering who the second person was. Well, it's the valet. <laughs> <laughs> the valet. Remember when we were talking about the fact that uh, we saw the reporting of all of the staff at Mar-a-Lago being subpoenaed? 
And he says they're harassing all my staff, everybody who works here. Well, so it ends up that the second person that they, they, they are trying to get to and canned and indicted today ends up being um, a former, I believe, Trump tweeted about it earlier this afternoon on True Social. I think he was in the Air Force or in the Navy or something, and then this, this uh, guy went to work at Mar-a-Lago and then became like a personal assistant after he left the armed forces and worked for Trump. Well, he's the, so he's the guy that they've now also indicted to be able to file the conspiracy charge. That's count 32. Count 33, withholding a document or record. Count 34, corruptly concealing a document or record. Count 35, concealing a document in a federal investigation. Count 36, a scheme to conceal. Count 37, false statements and representations. So those are the 37 counts. And there's, there's, there's a bunch of stuff here to go over. But just to get to the one specific point, because we've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. In the opening of this, they say, basically, they go through his presidency, what he gathered, classified documents stored in boxes, including included information regarding defense and weapons capabilities of both the U.S. and foreign countries, United States nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities of the United States and its allies to military attack, and plans for possible retaliation in response to a foreign attack. The unauthorized disclosures of these classified documents could put at risk the national security of the United States, foreign relations, the safety of the U.S. military and human sources, and the continued viability of sensitive intelligence collection methods. And then they say at uh, 12 o'clock on January 20th, 2021, Trump then ceased to be president. As he departed the White House, Trump caused scores of boxes, many of which contained classified documents, to be transported to the Mar-a-Lago Club and Palm Beach, Florida, where he maintained his residence. Trump was not authorized to possess or retain those classified documents. The Mar-a-Lago Club was an active social club with tens of thousands of people. Nevertheless, Trump stored his boxes containing classified documents in various locations. And now they released pictures, so-called pictures of these boxes. Now, the, the boxes certainly don't prove that what's in those boxes is classified. I guess they think we're going to take their word for it. Uh, but they say including in a ballroom, a bathroom, and a shower, and an office space, his bedroom, and a storage room. Then they get to part six. And this is the one that really makes you kind of go, hmm. On two occasions in 2021, Trump showed classified documents to others as follows. In July of 2021 at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey, during an audio recorded meeting with a writer a publisher, and two members of his staff, none of whom possessed a security clearance, Trump showed and described a plan of attack that Trump said was prepared for him by the Department of Defense and a senior military official. Trump told the individuals that the plan was highly confidential and secret. Trump also said, quote, as president, I could have declassified it, And, quote, now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret, end quote. 
In August or September of 21, at the Bedminster Club, Trump showed a representative of his political action committee, who also did not possess a security clearance, a classified map related to a military operation and told the representative that he should not be showing it to the representative and that the representative should not get too close. On March 30th, the Federal Bureau of Investigations opened a criminal investigation into those two incidences. Trump endeavored to obstruct the FBI and grand jury investigations and conceal his continued retention of classified documents by A, suggesting that his attorney falsely represent to the FBI and grand jury that Trump did not have documents called for by the grand jury. Directly defendant Waltine Nauda, who's the, that's the valet, uh, to move boxes of documents to conceal them from Trump's attorney, the FBI, and the grand jury, suggesting that his attorney hide or destroy documents called for by the grand jury subpoena, providing to the FBI and grand jury just some of the documents called for by the subpoena while claiming he was fully cooperating, and E, causing a certification to be submitted to the FBI and grand jury falsely representing that all documents called for by the grand jury subpoena had been produced while knowing that, in fact, not all such documents had been produced. So I think those A, B, C, D, and E there are kind of the point to this is all one-sided and there's just no way to judge the context of all of this and what Trump's side of that's going to be. The, the audio recording, though, is, um, is the part that I really kind of shake my head and go, how is that possible that... that he could do that. No, n- n- did he know this was being recorded? Yeah, these are his record. I believe he had he had uh, he had set it up to make sure that anything happening where someone else was recording, he had a recording of it as well, just to make sure that in case somebody goes and tries to say, "Oh, this is what happened," he can produce the full thing and show the entire context. Okay, well, let's hit the first break, then we'll come back and we'll continue on through this indictment. 37 counts unsealed today. We'll dig into it as much as we can live from Studio 6B. from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Glad you're in. David Zier's here. Uh, Rick Delgado as well going through 37-count indictment that was unsealed today. Uh, trying to gather our first thoughts as we went through it. I've given you just a little bit of the opening. And, of course, I want to get to – I read you the two paragraphs that really I read twice um, because it's pretty stunning that they say that, you know, on tape – and you've been hearing this – this is the thing on CNN that they've run now. They've been beating it over the head for two days. And, of course, I retweeted it thinking, oh, yeah, I'm sure this is exactly right because they're so accurate in their reporting on CNN. Well, little do we know here that it's actually word-for-word word correct because it's been literally leaked to them probably right out of this uh, from the Department of Justice, from someone there, Lisa Monaco's office or whoever. Maybe I mean, who knows? Um, so let's continue here, but uh, David Zier, do you want to give me some first thoughts upon, I don't know how much you've read it. I've tried to get through a little bit of it. Um, well, the premise of the whole thing should be 
excluded because, like the Clinton sock draw case, uh, the judge in that case, Amy Berman Jackson, said the president has an absolutely unreviewable right to take any records or documents that he wants when he leaves office. Nobody can come back and second guess, according to Chris Farrell from Judicial Watch, or ask questions about what the president elected to take with him. And she went on further to rule in the Clinton Sockdraw case. You know, it's a 10-year-old case that's gotten little attention. OAN did a great piece on it yesterday. But the president enjoys unconstrained authority to make decisions regarding the disposal of documents, although the president must notify the archives you know, before uh, disposing of any records. But the whole point is everything else is moot. If he had right. the right to have yeah. these records, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, you know, we know it's uh, a lynching, lynching job. I spoke to Professor Nick Giordano this morning. You know, we, we, we speak a lot. And he was, you know, stating that, you know, how did this happen so fast? In seven months, it was started in D.C. It was moved to Florida. You know, they've been slow walking Hunter for five, five years. years. Right. Yeah. Um, and everything else that's gone on. So the speed at which this is getting done is also very suspicious. And uh, there must be mass cooperation by all kinds of entities. Um, and that, he, just one more point, he says these are process crimes that were made criminal only because the special counsel made them criminal. That's correct. That's what we've talked about. They criminalized right. this thing as fast as they could over really what's a documents case. Now, the argument about a president can take what he wants, but uh, I think some of this, again, the, the question is whether he, whether he declassified some of it before he took it or whether it's national defense information and whether that could ever leave a non-secure facility. Isn't that part um, of the argument, Delgado? That's part of the argument, but again, they can't clear that first hurdle. The first hurdle is that, and it's been, you know, uh, fought for in case in court, and and Tom Fitton was the one who brought this case to court, and he lost. Right, right. He lost this case yes, because they were saying that no, the Clinton can't have that all those audio tapes in his sock drawer and his underwear wherever he had them. He wasn't allowed to have them, but the court ruled no. The the president, they can take whatever they want, which means anything they want whatever they want whatever documents they want to take they can take so their their charges of well you know he was wasn't supposed to have this piece of paper yet you can't clear that first hurdle though what is the first hurdle he can take whatever he wants so now you've got a problem how do you get to the other side of that hurdle if you can't even get over this first one that says he can take whatever he wants and declassify whatever he wants um I know there's this argument of, well, it's defense, national in, defense in, in, intelligence information. It doesn't matter because all of that still falls underneath what the president's power is, and that is to take any document that he wants on his way out the door. Now, whether, like, like David said, the only thing he can't do, I guess, <laughs> is dispose of them without giving the archives uh, alert. That he, okay, he's done with them. Either they can they can say okay, yeah, you can get rid of it. It's garbage at this point. Or they can say, you know what, we want that. We want to put it in the archives. And the archivist and Congress has no right to say no if he. Say that again. I just I, you weren't on the, the mic. The archivist or Congress, uh, neither of them have the authority to veto the president's disposal decision. Right. So if he decides, hey, I'm getting rid of this. I'm letting you know I'm getting rid of it. And no, you can't have it. Here it is. It's in the trash. That's it. That, that's, again, his power. And I guess it's, it's never been argued before until now because, well, they don't like Donald Trump and they're afraid that 
the inevitable is going to happen. He's going to walk back into that office and he's going to destroy them. And that's what they're afraid of. That, that, that's really what this is all about. They just need to stop them. They don't care how. They don't care what kind of process. They don't care how many counts they try. By the, by the way, it was 34 in New York. Uh, Fran, thank you for that. Um, but again, it's they can't get over that first hurdle. So everything else is moot. It's just like, who cares? You And Cash Patel even said, no, he gave us a blanket order on the way out to classify everything and bring it with us. Okay, so to your point, Tom Fitton, um, early on this afternoon when this hit, hit, put this out, and you said, I've, I've carefully reviewed the indictment of Trump by his political opponents at the Biden Justice Department. Judicial Watch has nearly 30 years of experience litigating federal and presidential records issues, including the famous Clinton sock drawer case, which David just referenced. The document dishonestly ignores the U.S. Constitution, the Presidential Records Act, legal precedent, and the DOJ's archives' previous position that White House records a president takes with him when he leaves the White House are presumptively personal and not subject to review by partisan Biden appointees at DOJ or archives. Under the Constitution, federal law, and precedent, None of the documents are currently quote-unquote classified or quote-unquote national defense information that restricts Trump's handling of them. They are all his personal records and frankly should be returned to him. If justice prevails, this indictment won't survive scrutiny by honest constitutionalist judges and will be thrown out. Prosecutorial misconduct. Yeah, and that's again. He, he's he's you know I I'm not a lawyer, so I wouldn't say all that. I would just say the first hurdle. He he's he's showing you the first hurdle, which is you know what he stated as why the the president, no matter what president it is, they get to take what they want because it's considered their stuff. Now, one thing to to um, keep in mind, you know, because I know we're going to talk about the tape stuff too. And maybe I should save this for the tape stuff, but maybe I'll just throw it out now that even if uh, because I know on the tape and, and it was part of the what even is that that I did last night, he talks about declassified documents that he shouldn't be showing anyone. Declassified doesn't mean disclosure. Well, he didn't say that. De- no, he doesn't. He doesn't say they're declassified. He says, exactly. I could have I could have declassified this, these when I was president. Right. So but here. He so let's just. So oh, we don't have what, time for what what, oh, what I'm saying is, is that because he didn't declassify them, he can't show them. So they're still classified. They're still his documents. He can still retain them, but he can't disclose them. And, and even, even, if it's, even if it's something that's automatically uh, declassified, that doesn't automatically mean that everybody in the country can now go and look up this document. It still retains some sort of classification, just a lower sense, but not every document therefore becomes viewable by the, the, by the public at whole. Right, but I think their, their position in the document is that he can't, he can't be sitting around a table and showing it to you who has no clearance as some guy at Mar-a-Lago and saying, hey, look at this, look right. at this. Uh, attack plan we drew up right and he can go look at this attack plan you can't actually see it you see him waving the attack plan but you can't read it here's a map but you can't really read it can you tell me what was on that map no you can't it's going to get into semantics like that i i i think that's what they're trying to do that's the way i'm hearing it at least i don't know all right we will continue on Clinch, Other news uh, around this today, including the president's representation 
Jim Trusty out. The question is why? Why now? We'll get into some of that. B on a Friday night, Real America's Voice, David Zier sitting in, Rick Delgado as well. We'll get to the news by both gentlemen. We'll have some news uh, going through the indictment today as best we can and understanding what it is. And again, I, we set the set the table by saying, obviously, uh, like Levin said on Twitter today, that this is obviously one side. Um, and you have to, as you try to dig into this and understand it and read it, and even the times you go, man, geez, that doesn't sound good. You have to remember there's no cross-examination. There's no counter-arguments here. There's no counter-arguments here. There's no context for any of this. We have no idea what the back and forth between the Trump team uh, and the DOJ were and um, the special counsel's office as these things were trying to get worked out before we got to this point. Uh, we can just read what's in these papers, obviously, uh, what's in this indictment. We see the pictures, supposedly, of these boxes that have been strewn around with supposedly having classified information. I don't know how you're supposed to believe that that's what they are. I saw pictures on the Internet today saying, oh, pictures have been released of classified documents. Well, how do you know? How do you know that? There's nothing. They're not labeled classified. There's no markings that we would recognize as non governmental people to right. see i don't those look like uh, i could have put those boxes there yeah and, and, and my, my pictures of my high school graduation inside what are you talking about those should be classified by the way um <laughs> <True>. <laughs> according to justice.gov and there is no uh, official declassification markings that go out when things are declassified so when people go, well, it wasn't marked to classify, because according to justice.gov that's not something that they do it's not something that's required and there's no uh, fish. There's no nothing on a on a marking that would say declassified on it. It's just it doesn't exist. And that's again, I'm getting this from justice.gov. So the uh, Department of Justice maybe should start reviewing some of their own stuff. So the the feedback from people who obviously know more about this than uh, real attorneys who kind of understand this on, upon reading it for the first time is is interesting because you have some. Uh, and I know people will will try to segment it out of to Trump haters and Trump lovers and never Trumpers and say, well, you can't. But it is pretty interesting that you've got, um, you know, kind of a 180 in people who have read this. You have Jonathan Turley, who says that this is an extremely damning indictment. Overwhelming in detail hits below the waterline. This is not an indictment you can dismiss, end quote, he says. Uh, you have Joe Tacopina, who obviously represents President Trump in his New York indictment, saying, I've been saying this since the Bragg conversations. This is the weaponization of the justice system. Now, what's really scary is the weaponization of federal law enforcement, which really does represent a threat to society. And of course, as I said before, the other interesting part about today 
is that Jim Trusty and John Rowley, John Rowley, I don't know him as well, but Jim Trusty resigned today from Trump's defense. Um, and I, I, Jim Trusty is about as good and has been absolutely just fantastic. And he was on T all over TV just last night uh, defending the president. Uh, not obviously this not being unsealed, so he didn't exactly know what was in it. And then this morning, he's after, I guess this afternoon, early this afternoon, I actually think he was gone um, before it was unsealed. But I haven't seen any explanation on why. Well, a lot of times, and, and I've heard this. I don't know if it's the change of location. No, a lot of times it's because it's not their expertise. They're not experts at being in court to fight certain things. They're, they're, their expertise is prior to that. So then he'll turn around and he'll hire an actual trial attorney who's an expert at going to trial and beating up judges, beating up witnesses, and you know working, working the trial end of things. You know what I mean? So it could be that. I don't know. Shouldn't the Trump team ask for the same expeditiousness to uh, get a special counsel for Joe Biden and bring him up on charges in seven months before the election? You would shouldn't, think. Shouldn't that be like an equal treatment, you know? Well, especially since... 150 boxes right. that he had no right to even take. Yeah. You right. would think because they both broke around the same time last right. summer. But that's the double standard right there. Well, yeah. the other double standard when you read this, and again, as much as I can understand it, is when you read what Jack Smith and they, what they put in here about the importance of protecting classified information and applying that law to everyone. And they actually go back and they take some of Trump's own statements early on as he won the presidency on how he was going to treat classified information. Of course, all of that coming out of the Hillary Clinton disaster. Well, you read this and go, oh, yeah, okay, but what about the Hillary Clinton disaster? You're writing this in there, and this, was, this standards was not applied to someone who destroyed 33,000 emails that were under subpoena. So you talk about the double standard. The same argument should have been made then about her. And remember, the Platte River Group deleted Hillary's email after they were told specifically to preserve them. Yeah, all of them. And the cell phone smashed with hammers. So I get he says the importance of protecting classified information, and we have to apply that to everyone, but, but the standard already is that that's not how it works. It wasn't applied to everyone. Because you would have been justified in obviously prosecuting Hillary Clinton in 2016 if that was such the standard of the Department of Justice. Then run, run under James Comey, at least the FBI, and now Merrick Garland and Jack Smith, which have a, obviously have a different standard. I have a quick uh, clip. Uh, it's only like 20 or 30 seconds from Tom Fitton uh, talking about Clinton emails found on Wiener's laptop. Do we want to play sure. that quickly? Do we, we have, have that, that Aaron? Uh, queued up or could, we can do it later? All right, go ahead. Roll it. It was a document in October 3rd, 2016 email from an FBI official to uh, someone in the Southern District of New York, uh, at least an, another FBI colleague of theirs in the Southern District of New York. And to take you a step back, they discovered the emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop that were Clinton-related in September of 2016. They didn't tell Congress about it till October 27th of 2016. They didn't begin looking at the emails 
until that time either. So they sat on them for a month. Why? Because the Inspector General of the Justice Department, in looking at the issue, thought maybe that Peter Strzok's anti-Trump hatred had him focused more on trying to take down Trump than trying to enforce the rule of law against Hillary Clinton. Of course, Peter Strzok and Hillary Clinton's uh, agents, like Christopher Steele and Glenn Simpson and Nellie Orr, were working together. Of course, the IG didn't go that far, but that's the reality. Yeah. And again, I've said this the last a couple of days this week. Go back and read James Comey from July 5th as he described what they found that Hillary Clinton had done. And then see how they come to these conclusions. And you talk about two-tiered justice system and what we're seeing and reading today in this indictment and what they had found with her. I mean, you, you just can't come to any other conclusion that there is no standard. James Woods had a great tweet uh, this morning. Uh, the president of Russia just had the opposition leader arrested after a seven-year campaign of harassment. <laughs> Sounds like a mirror. Well, didn't Zelensky do the same thing in Ukraine? Yeah. He, not only did he take control of all the media outlets, he shut down a bunch of them. Purged, and he arre- purged yeah, his and, top and, officers. And he arrested the, his uh, main political rivals. All right, so here's the, here's the um, as we talked about the leaks, here's the piece from CNN this morning at 7.56. Okay, once again, let me see if I can actually send the audio to the proper channels. My Lord, Damon, here we go. I'll report last week with Caitlin Collins and Caitlin Polans about this recording where the former president not only claims to have retained classified information, but also acknowledges the limits of his power to do so. And now we have the transcript of the relevant portion. And I'll read some parts of that, but it's clear he acknowledges or claims that he kept secret information. Now, in this recording, this was back in July 2021, he is speaking to some visitors at his New Jersey golf club. We know from our sources that among the people in the room were at least two people working on Mark Meadows' autobiography, as well as some Trump aides. He is referring here to General Mark Milley. He says, quote, well, with Milley, uh, let me see that. I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't that amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. On the tape, we're told that you can hear him rustling the paper. Now, again, see how it says oh. transcript obtained by CNN? What wasn't obtain- obtained means, yeah, they gave it to us. The DOJ actually sent this to us so we could get out and get this out there and start to frame the conversation the way we want it framed. Papers at this point. Look, because it's word for word. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. I'll keep reading, but you can tell at least four times. You know, he emphasizes that this was Millie. He goes on to say all sorts of stuff. Pages long. Look, wait a minute. Let's see here. I just found, isn't this amazing? This totally wins my case. And I want to note here, he, his case he's referring to here is this dispute with Millie, not the current pending criminal investigation. Except it is like highly confidential, secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. I will note that secret and confidential are both, of course, levels of classification. And then arguably the most damning quote, he says, he asks if he, someone in the room, if he can declassify it. And then he says, as president, I could have declassified, but now I can't. 
And of course, that last quote undercutting all of the public arguments that he, his allies and his attorneys have made about how he was able to declassify things once he left office or that he may have even had a standing declassification order to declassify any materials in his possession before he left office. But in terms of invest the investigation, prosecutors are likely going to be most interested in the fact that he is claiming to have retained uh, secret information and is appearing to try to share that with a room full of people, none of whom had security clearances. So again, this is a really key piece of evidence in this ongoing investigation. Yeah, Paula, this was, uh, reading your reporting this morning, it was a genuine kind of jaw drop moment for a minute. Just yeah, jaw drop moment mm, as yeah. they got it leaked from the Department of Justice right to them. My question is the beginning of the transcript. Can you go right to the beginning, that first line that she says? to have retained classified where, where information, but also screen. acknowledges the limits of his powers that he clocking to some visible working on Millie. Uh, this was him. Right here, a big stop. pile of big Well, pile with of Millie. Uh, let me see that. <laughs> so, I, and again, I'm trying to paint the picture of what, what I'm, what, the words I'm hearing and what I'm seeing written as somebody, somebody's got something in their hand and, and him reaching over going, uh, let me see, I'll show you an example. Let me see that. Right. Like he's taking something from them that they already have. Maybe it's their pile of papers or something. And he's using it to demonstrate what he's he's explaining. I don't know. That could be something. That, uh, but that's the first thing that jumped out at me was, uh, let me see that. So the person he's reaching over to somebody who has something and he goes, and I'll show you an example. That could be David's got this. Right. And I'm like, hey, David, so. I'm gonna. I've got this map here. Let me see that. I've got this map here, right? You know what I mean? I know, but we just don't know. Right. You keep going exactly. into this. What? What? I mean, this is the point. We, but we, but that's that's what I'm pointing out with them. They don't know. They've not heard it. They don't know for sure. And we're only getting ex excerpts, like you said, or don't have video. Yeah. All right. Let's let's hit the break. We'll do some other news with Rick Delgado and David Zier. We get back live from Studio Six B on a Friday night. Live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice on a Friday night. Thank you for joining us. Damon had to step away for a moment. He'll be right back. In the meantime, though, David Zier and I will continue uh, with some some news. We'll we'll take a we'll take a little uh, veer off to the right or the left, or or you know we'll go down some dirt road with some different kind of news uh, because there are other things going on in the world. Before we do that, though, David, again, we appreciate you coming in while Slick Rick is on his. Uh, what is it? A uh, it's not a sabbatical. What is it? When, when people when people go somewhere and they 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 do a uh, is it's not a it's not a walkabout. What is it? Vacation. Um, a what? <laughs> That's a no, good not one. an no. excursion. When they're when they're making a trip, a journey. There's another word. I'm sure of it. There probably is. Anyhow, while Slick Rick is in Minnesota for his Prince thing, uh, David Zier has been kind enough to join us the last couple of nights. Pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. Yes, that's the that's word I was looking one. for. There you go. Thank you. 
Fran again with the save. Um, David, tell us about your Saturday morning breaking point. What what do you have coming up tomorrow morning starting at 8 a.m. right here on Real America's Voice? Well, I got this great guy on named Christian Watson, uh, 8 a.m. Eastern tomorrow, Real America's Voice News. Um, is, he related to, is he related to Randy Watson? No. Nope. Oh, no, okay. but he's a young guy. He's a generation Z, but man, is this guy sharp and smart and talks about how we've lost our way as a country and we need more conservatism uh, in the schools uh, that, uh, you know, it's a runaway train, a really good guy. And uh, then I got Sam Anthony. He has this new uh, news service called Your News, but we talked about, you know, whether kids should be on social media and Congress wants to set an age limit on there and uh what a debacle that is i got some uh studies maybe monday i'll share it from the cleveland clinic okay. and other children's hospitals about the damage that's being done kids are getting ticks from using TikTok, and uh, <laughs> you know and how these families you know just let their kids on their phones all day uh doing maybe irreparable damage um and uh you know bullying cyber bullying all the other stuff goes with it smut you know uh, we've lost the way. Yeah. We lost the moral compass. I've got other people on on the show, so uh, come join us. And um, you know, yeah, uh, it's, it's tomorrow it's morning one. right here on Real America's Voice. Join David as you sit there in your in your my pillow, uh, my slippers, wrapped up in your my pillow uh, what's a robe. Maybe even if you're in Minnesota on a pilgrimage, you can, you can watch the show at 8 a.m. right here on Real America's Voice. What other news is going on out there, David, besides, of course, the breaking Trump well, stuff, which we'll get back to in the top of the hour? You know, the Islamic uh, culture doesn't allow homosexuality. Right. And a lot of uh, Arabic and, and uh, Islamic nations have been very cruel to gay people, throwing them off, throwing them off buildings, stuff like that. But, you know, it's against their religion. So in, in Canada, who's been very lenient to the Arabic culture, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Trudeau's been very careful not to offend them. Um, there's a, a, a video that I have right here of Arab kids stomping on pride flags. Talk about a dilemma for Trudeau. Watch this. All right, we're here currently at the protest. We got a bunch of young kids here with their Arab parents. And they are stomping the pride flag here at the protest. The Arab community is sending a message, I believe, to the woke that they are not accepting of this, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yes. Any message you'd like to send today to just leave your kids alone. What? Yes. Leave the kids alone, she says, ladies and gentlemen. Leave the kids alone. All right. So, wow. you okay. know, maybe there's some uh, a common thread there between, <laughs> you know, uh, people who don't want their kids being indoctrinated and to be exposed to this at a young age or any age in school. Yeah, um, because because you don't even need religion. People people just don't want their kids attacked. I mean, you're talking about Congress thinking about setting limits on social media for kids, but there are no limits as to. Um, letting them mutilate their bodies without yep. par parental consent? Are you kidding me? Well, you know, and that's part of the SEL, the social-emotional learning. They're trying to keep parents out of the equation here. They meet with a counselor one or two times, and all of a sudden they decide they need gender reassignment surgery. Right. Uh, and these school counselors are doing that to our children. But imagine you or I did that, and we're jumping on the pride flags, uh, like on the set right here. 
you know, uh, they would be uh, incredible reaction. Um, and, you know, really puts the liberals in a pickle, you know, when the, uh, you know, Arabic slash Islamic uh, cultures in, in, in America, too, who've been speaking out right. and, and uh, you know, against this and, and having demonstrations as well. Why is it OK for them to do it and not us? You know, so they're, they, you know, they don't know how to handle this, I think, on the left. And I was watching this uh, gay guy on Twitter uh, this morning, and, and he was really sharp because the U.N. replaced all 193 countries' flags with gay pride flags. Right. And he said he's sick of the propaganda shoved down our throats. He says all the attention to the gay community and pride is leading to privilege, not equal rights. I don't need a f- pride flag to be validated. And I think he has a great point yeah. that he's making it where they're getting, uh, you know, maybe extra treatment right. and not being accepted into society and, and actually turning people off. And he's, he also maintained uh, in this uh, tweet, um, I don't know if it was one of his statements or in the tweet, I forgot, but he said that it's actually, um, there's repercussions of this, he was insinuating. Yeah. Because, well, because, because like you yeah. said, it, it, it affords privilege as opposed to evening the playing field, which is what everybody wants. They just want it even. Um, it reminds me of the story I just saw, and I, I forgot to, to bookmark it for myself, of this kid who scored a, I think it was a 1570 on his SATs. Now, all- SATs are 1600. Right is the best score you can get. Is basically a perfect score. This guy got like fifteen seventeen or fifteen seventy or fifteen eighty, and he's been declined at I think six the first six schools he's applied to. And again, it's it ain't because he's smart. Right. It's there are other factors which are holding him back. What's his oh, demographic? Uh, he just happens to be Asian. Yeah. And we've heard this from the Asian community where they're being targeted because their scores are too high. Well, and again, yeah. it, 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 makes you, it makes you think, what, what the heck is going on? How is it that we are, being, we are allowing you know, this type of takeover of our way of life to, to happen? And, and, and it's not that we're allowing it. It's the people in charge who have lied to us to get in charge are now putting these things into, into place. Yeah, I've, I've had Kenny Zhu uh, on my show from Virginia, you know, uh, talking about the attorney general in Virginia is investigating this school that was punishing, uh, holding back Asian kids to allow kids, a minority, other minorities, to uh, get ahead of them and right. accept it into the school. And they didn't have the same merit-based performance. And I don't know where that investigation is. I should follow up on it. Uh, but that's what's going on. Yeah. And, and there's also that story, I think it was all out of Virginia as well, where these kids that won these national science awards uh, that could have helped them get into college and, and gotten them scholarships, yeah. that was held back. The school didn't tell them. So they, they couldn't take advantage of it. Yeah. I think that's related to the current uh, investigation. Right. So it's just, it's just insanity. And again, it's, it's attacking the kids because Marxists know if you get the kids, you get Marxism, right? Nazis knew it. That's why they had, they, they had the Nazi youth because they were training them young. If you can train the kids young, you'll have them for life. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, Lenin's uh, famous quote is, uh, he said, you know, we'll have your kids. Give me four years to teach the children and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. And that yeah. was Vladimir Lenin. 
Yeah. Back in the early 1900s. So insane, insane stuff. Anything else you've got? Uh, you've got that's kind of. Um, I do. Uh, maybe when we come back, I've got another uh, clip, uh, a crazy clip from Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, people attacking a Trump supporter. No, well, of course you have to. Or reporting a Trump supporter because, because they he had like a sticker donuts? on the back of his truck behind him in the drive-through line. So we'll play that. You sure it wasn't uh, Chris Christie? Uh, yeah, right. Um, and I and I also have a lot of qu- uh, new quotes from Tom Fitton. He's been all over this everything. He's and he's bringing up everything that the Democrats have overlooked uh, over the last uh, you know six seven years. Right. Ago. It's, it's not so, that they overlooked. They're just trying to well, uh, purposely overlook yeah. or <laughs> slow walk. They're trying to cover it up. He's got some great quotes. It's as simple as that. All right. That's the end of the first hour. We'll jump back into the. Uh, the Trump indictment and the documents and a whole lot more when we get back. That's the end of hour number one. Hour number two is up next, live from Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Stay there. Studio 6B, hour two on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Glad you're a part of the show. As always, Aaron and Fran holding it down. David Zier here with the news. Rick Delgado here with the news as well. Um, 37 count indictment, obviously, to President Trump. Unsealed today, trying to go through it. Uh, I want to start hour two with going to at 3 p.m. today. The Department of Justice held a brief press conference where we actually got to see and hear from Jack Smith. Um, and here, here is his about two minute and ten second um, statement today at the Department of Justice. Good afternoon. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. This indictment was voted by a grand jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. And I invite everyone to read it in full, to understand the scope and the gravity of the crimes charged. The men and women of the United States intelligence community and our armed forces dedicate their lives to protecting our nation and its people. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical the safety and security of the United States, and they must be enforced. Violations of those laws put our country at risk. Adherence to the rule of law is a bedrock principle of the Department of Justice, and our nation's commitment to the rule of law sets an example for the world. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Applying those laws collecting facts, that's what determines the outcome of an investigation. Nothing more and nothing less. The prosecutors in my office are among the most talented and experienced in the Department of Justice. And biased. They have investigated this case hewing to the highest ethical standards, (laughs) and they will continue to do so as this case proceeds. 
It's very important for me to note that the defendants in this case must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. To that end, my office will seek a speedy trial in this matter, consistent with the public interest and the rights of the accused. We very much look forward to presenting our case to a jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. Well, there was, um, that was Jack Smith today, this afternoon, and it is really a, um, a vomit-inducing high horse to get on <laughs> to talk about, as he did, the standards. When, again, all, all of us are old enough to remember when there was no standard for actions that were way more egregious than anything a former president here is in question. Uh, with, of course, Hillary Clinton. And this is, you know, the last thing anybody wants to do is sit here and do whataboutisms and what about keep going back to her. But it's just impossible not to, given what she did and James Comey's speech of July 5th, 2016, in ending with saying no reasonable prosecutor. And then we have to listen to Jack Smith tell us today about there's one set of rules for everybody, and the facts is what leads us to the decision. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, that, I mean, how does anybody swallow that, given the prior example of what you did with her? The, the current example of what's going on with Biden. Uh, Damon, no, you, I'm yeah. sorry. No one knows who the special counsel even is in Biden's case. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying the oxymoron of the day. Maybe it could be a new segment. Uh, DOJ <laughs> and principles. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking to what you're saying, you're making a joke about it, but you're right. Because he's saying to the highest standards. Yeah, okay. uh, what standard is it that you leak all the information to, to uh, your favorite news outlet? What standard is that? Have you even investigated how that leak happened? No, of course not. And you won't because you don't care. You need to get the narrative out there. That serves the narrative. Whether, whether it's real, it's fake, you're just making it up, you're, 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 you're you know, kind of pulling at straws to try and cobble something together just like uh, Alvin Bragg did in New York, it doesn't matter because it needs to fill the narrative. So that's the standard at which you are going to be judged. I'm sorry, but that's, that's all the Department of Justice has shown us since Donald Trump came down the escalator is that justice be damned, the rule of law be damned. Those rules are in place for everybody else, but we can do what the hell we want. Fitton's been on fire. He says this day will go down in infamy. The unprecedented and corrupt indictment of President Trump is built on sand and his brazen election interference. It's an indictment about nothing. Biden's further transforming of the FBI and DOJ into political enforcers in order to jail his leading political opponent could lead to the end of our constitutional republic. Uh, President Trump, after that statement this afternoon, took to Truth Social and said the following. He put a picture of Jack Smith and said, this is the man who caused the lowest learner catastrophe with the IRS. He went after evangelicals and great Americans of faith. The United States had to apologize and pay major damages for what this deranged lunatic did. He had a unanimous loss in the Supreme Court. His wife is a Trump hater, just as he is a Trump hater, a deranged psycho that shouldn't be involved in any case having to do with justice other than to look at Biden as a criminal, which he is. 
500 nonprofits they went after, conservative nonprofits. And Obama met with Lois Lerner like 100 times in the Oval Office. And as we talked about Jack Smith and, and the Bob McDonald case and the, um, uh, what's his name case, the Democrat there? Um, Califf? No, who ran with, um, oh God, I said it. John, uh, John, 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 yes. Yeah, John Goodlooking Guy, whatever his name was. Edwards. John no. Edwards, yes. 51. $500 haircut. <laughs> um, yes, $500 haircut guy. Some more, Sounds like uh, Slick Rick. Yeah, some more feedback. This from our old friend of the show, Tom Basili. Uh, who has appeared here, had a great book. We had him on. We'll have him on again. He had some thoughts over there today on Newsmax. Here's what he, he thought on looking at this. But there, there is some very interesting information in here, um, including uh, some uh, some conversations that the former president had uh, with a writer that was recorded talking about the fact you showed him some of these documents. Um, and, uh, and then there's also more discussion about how this was a willful conspiracy to hide documents from the FBI and ultimately from the grand jury. The grand jury here was impaneled in April of, of 2022. And so I think that's really significant that when you look at the dates here, this has been going on for a long time. And what they've been trying to do is to use the activity uh, of the former president and his statements against him as, and as they have tried to get more information uh, in this investigation. And, um, you know, they, they've even in, in here, which I found very interesting, they even used some of the former president's statements during his campaign uh, against huh. him. Uh, they have uh, they they use as statements, they list statements where he talks about the importance of classified documents and and, and upholding the secrecy of our intelligence community um, as sort of a pretext for the fact that he then went on and uh, and allegedly uh, and allegedly uh, ignored uh, ignored that and did the exact opposite. Um, there is also something very interesting that I don't think that we had heard before in this that it alleges in these documents that Trump actually directed um, his attorneys to lie on his behalf or he directed his staff to hide documents from his attorneys. And how they're going to prove that, the, right. the, fa the, fa that the finding of fact yeah. there, uh -huh. I don't know, but that's that's in that document. That's not something that we had uh, heard been alleged before. So, yeah, by the way, this... Yeah. Okay, so there's a little bit from Tom Basile. Uh One more, um, who obviously knows what he's talking about, is John Yu. He was on with Martha McCallum. Here's his thoughts. What's remarkable, Martha, about Jack Smith's statement is that it ignores all the serious constitutional separation of powers and political issues, many of which you just mentioned, that surround this case. If you listened to him, you might have thought that they had just arrested a DOD employee who took documents mm -hmm. home and then didn't want to return them. There's no mention of the fact that they're very serious presidents. Oh, what happened here? Did I do that? This is the Sorry. first time, as you remarked that. earlier, that... We have ever start this what's again. remarkable, yes. Martha, about, about Jack Smith's statement is that it ignores all the serious constitutional separation of powers and political issues, many of which you just mentioned, that surround this case. If you listened to him, you might have thought that they had just arrested a DOD employee who took documents mm -hmm. home and then didn't want to return them. There's no mention of the fact that there are very serious presidential power issues here. For example, this is the first time, as you've remarked earlier, that we have ever indicted for a federal crime, not just a former president, 
but the leading candidate of one of the major political parties in the upcoming campaign. It doesn't mention who's responsible for this decision. Under the Constitution, you can't just say, oh, this special counsel made the decision. This decision is ultimately made by the attorney general and ultimately under the Constitution, the president of the United States, who's responsible for enforcing the law, but also happens to be the main candidate of the incumbent party that controls the government. And they're using these charges to go after their primary challenger. Yeah, these it, are serious issues. It, and you would know that from Jack Smith's comments. No, you- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on the money, right? Yep. I met John Yu, uh, at William and Mary about uh, 20 years ago after 9-11 on treatment of uh, prisoners, whether they should be treated by Geneva Convention or not. Pretty sharp guy. Very sharp guy. Um, and to his point, by the way, Fran sent me this on some of the historical things we're seeing here from the American Bar Association. A couple things on the way they look at the system of classification. Uh, from their website. Is this from their site, Fran? Yeah, it's from their site. This was this came out in October of uh, after the documents were seized the first time from Mar-a-Lago. They say the system of classifying national security documents is largely a bureaucratic process used by the federal government to control how executive branch officials handle information whose release could cause the country harm. The government has, however, prosecuted cases for both mistaken and deliberate mishandling of information under the U.S. Constitution. The president, as commander-in-chief, is given broad powers to classify and declassify such information, often through use of executive orders. Some secrets, such as information related to nuclear weapons, are handled separately under a specific statutory scheme that Congress has adopted under the Atomic Energy Act. Those secrets cannot be automatically declassified by the president alone and require by law extensive consultation with executive branch agencies. In all cases, however, a formal procedure is required so governmental agencies know with certainty what has been declassified and decisions memorialized. A federal appeals court in 2020 Freedom of Information Act case, uh, New York Times versus CIA, underscored the point Declassification cannot occur unless designated officials follow specific procedures, the court said. All the new ABA legal fact check notes, the extent of a president's legal, now listen to this one, the extent of a president's legal authority to unilaterally declassify materials without following formal procedures has yet to ever be challenged in court. Well, that's about to change. The Supreme Court is getting ready to go on another blistering run with opinions to be issued around affirmative action, student loans, and voting. One case we're watching, affirmative action in college universities. Will race still be allowed to be considered as a part of the college admissions process? North Carolina and Harvard University Asian American students have pushed these cases forward, claiming discrimination. This will shift the paradigm of big education if race cannot be considered in admissions. 
Another case to watch is whether or not President Biden can forgive student loans. This is a contentious issue for Americans because of the administration's attempts to spend taxpayer dollars on people who got ripped off on their degrees and are now crushed by student debt. The court is also set to rule on whether some American businesses can deny service to LGBTQ people under the First Amendment. On immigration, they'll rule on President Joe Biden's deportation plan and dispute over Title 42 as illegal aliens continue to flood the southern border. And as the election of 2024 looms, the court will rule on a major election law case over who decides when, where and how we can vote. We'll continue to look at all these cases out of the Supreme Court and the opinions that they're going to be issuing. I'm Christopher Carter in Washington, D.C. Let me talk to you about Birch Gold. President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. He said, our currency is crashing and we will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be, our, frankly, our greatest defeat in over 200 years. Well, there are three reasons why central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is, there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, and of course, that's gold. And you can own gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part is, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just text the word AMERICA and send it to 989898. You'll get a free information kit from Birch Gold. Plus, they'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When and if currencies fail, gold remains a safe haven. How much more time does the U.S. dollar have? Well, that's anyone's guess. Protect your savings with gold and do it with Birch Gold. They have an A-plus rating with their Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, countless five-star reviews. Just text the word America, send it to 989898. Get your free information kit on gold. Again, text the word America, send it to 989898. All right, 17 past the hour live from Studio 6B. Mike Davis, who uh, this network and people who watch this network are very familiar with, usually I'm abandoned almost every day, seemingly. Um, he says, indictment confirms Garland's indictment of Trump is political. Number one, Presidential Records Act, not Espionage Act, controls former president's handling of his presidential records. Number two, generally legally impossible to obstruct investigation into non-crime <laughs> per binding 2019 OLC memo. Uh, three, the theory that the president of the United States can declassify information and still get charged for espionage under national defense information will not survive Supreme Court review. Number four, the timing of this indictment proves that it's political. Garland indicted Trump the day after we learned the FBI covered up evidence since 2017 about then-VP Biden and his family taking at least $10 million in foreign bribes and changed U.S. policy. So that from um, that from Mike Davis uh, over at uh, Article Three Project and others, and of course, obviously a regular with Steve Bannon in the War Room. Now, there's some other things, obviously, that go that uh, continue to linger out there, which I hope people don't lose focus of now because the actual indictment is there, and these things are still going to be important. 
And one of them is, as I played you that clip of that former attorney who was on with Catherine, Catherine Herridge on CBS, on some of the misconduct that clearly has been going on through all of this and the pressure that some of these witnesses have been feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of the other indictment now today of this White House valet of Trump's who ended up going to Marlago, U.S. Navy um, yep. veteran. Well, he, his attorney is also alleging misconduct. The lawyer said in a letter that prosecutors brought up his application to become a judge. We talked a little bit about this yesterday when seeking his cooperation. A lawyer for Donald Trump's valet under scrutiny in the Marlago documents investigation, now of course indicted this morning, has submitted court papers describing a meeting at which a top federal prosecutor brought up his application to be a judge when they tried to gain the valet's cooperation last year. According to three people familiar with the matter, the allegation described in a letter filed under seal with the chief U.S. judge in Washington, James Bosberg, could affect the investigation just as prosecutors are considering whether to bring charges and, of course, now have brought charges. Even though prosecutors have no control over the success of judicial applications, the fact that it was raised in the context of trying to persuade a lawyer for a witness to recommend cooperating could give the appearance could give could give the appearance of coercion in one of the justice department's most high profile cases at issue is an incident that took place last year around november when prosecutors were trying to gain the cooperation of walt nada who has now been indicted and was then under scrutiny because prosecutors suspected he had helped the former president conceal classified documents that had been subpoenaed Nada had already spoken to prosecutors in the investigation when they called his lawyer, Stanley Woodward, and summoned him to a meeting at the Justice Department headquarters for an urgent matter that they were reluctant to discuss over the phone, the letter said. When the lawyer arrived at the conference room, he was seated across from several prosecutors working on the investigation, including the chief of the counterintelligence section, Jay Bratt, who explained that they wanted Nada to cooperate with the government against Trump. Nada should cooperate with the government because he had given potentially conflicting testimony that could result in a false statements charge. I would think that's a 1001 violation, possibly. The prosecutor said, according to the letter, Woodward is said to have demurred, disputing that Nada had made false statements. Hmm. That kind of sounds like the Mike Flynn thing, where the FBI, upon their, their meeting with him, said, no, he's not lying to us. Then they turn around and be like, no, we're going to get you that you lied to us. So it's it's the same thing. It's a he said she said thing. No no wonder no wonder yeah. they're they're going after only him. after they told him they were going right. after his son. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know this speaks to the level of corruption again within the DOJ and liberals uh, for that matter when it comes to the law because this is how they go after them. They go after the lawyers now. You've, we've seen this a lot. Where uh, this this story coming from the Free Beacon just a couple months ago, Todd Blanche, a longtime partner at Cottawalder, Wickham and Taft, resigned last week from the elite firm to represent Trump, who was indicted April 4th. Um, his departure himself had something interesting as he w- left 
he wrote something interesting. Obviously, his parting email indicated doing this as a partner at Caldwell was not an option, so I have to make the difficult choice and leave the firm. Within hours, Caldwell was scrubbed from the from the website. Uh, neither Blanche nor Caldwell would respond to requests for comments, but this is what happens. Oh, you're going to represent Trump? Uh, you can't work here, and we're going to make it impossible for you to work anywhere. That's what they do. This is any time that there is a conservative that could be going to court in a high-profile case, they target the attorneys. Yeah. Um, do we have time to play this? Uh, no, we don't. Okay, let's hit the break. We'll come back. Jonathan Turley and Joel Pollock from Breitbart uh, with some reaction as well. And Turley brings up. I don't want to say. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say my initial uh, thoughts on where this might end up being come a year from now was right on the money, but I think this might be something that starts to catch on with people as they look at the next 18 months and what avenues the president has to get by this. And we, the people, may take on a new meaning come next November. Uh, So I'll play that for you. Six B, thirty minutes past the hour on a Friday night. Glad you're a part of the show. David Zier's here. Rick Delgado, Aaron Fran, holding it down as always. Going through this Trump indictment, uh, trying to play as many things for you as we can. Give you as many reactions as we can from it this afternoon. We played Jack Smith his comments this afternoon for a whole two minutes. Um, so there's other things to get to. I said I think it was last night's show when the indictment came down that um, there's there's very possibly going to be only one way that um, all of this comes to an end, and it's going to rely on we the people in the form of the election of 2024. Now, what's going to get very interesting, now we saw in New York, they try to time it up so that he has to be back in New York in December, and then the trial, right, of course, in the heat of the 2024 race, Uh, for the New York case. Now, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here as far as the timing and how, what lengths they're going to go to to try to um, prevent President Trump from being able to campaign, get out there. Are they going to try to tie him up? What's the time frame look like? Jonathan Turley was on earlier on Fox and... um, had similar thoughts, I think, to what we said last night. Here's what he said. It seems unlikely that they can get this to trial before the election. There's going to be challenges going up to the Court of Appeals, uh, which means that this judge is going to have a headache uh, because they're going to run out of runway before they get close to the election. Most judges are not going to want a trial uh, months before a presidential election. Uh, so that could make the election a type of 
a sort of referendum on how people feel about this case. So you may have a second jury composed of tens of millions of Americans uh, essentially voting on this, because if he's elected, he can pardon himself. It seems. I mean, amen to that. Exactly. What we talked about last night here on this show. That that may be the the run that may be the only runway to number one finally clear his name mm-hmm. and get all of this off of his back and also start to attack this unelected administrative bureaucratic BS and I'll just leave it at that and not say what I want to say. <laughs> say it. No, I'm kidding. That might be it. I mean, yeah. it literally is going to come down to. A constitutional republic and its people against the unelected, elite, bureaucratic, ever bloated um, police state is what we're looking at here. That's the showdown. That's the fight to come. Very well may end up being exactly that. That we the people are the last line here of defense. When it comes to November 24, it could very easily get to that. I think that goes for all the potential trials he's facing. How could you have it in an election cycle? Right. Well, this, and I wonder, again, and I don't know anything about any of this stuff. <laughs> I'm just talking off the top of my head. But it'll be very interesting to see what they do in Georgia. Yeah. And I say that because it's very, it's highly unlikely, as hard of a road to 270 as any Republicans already going to have that you can win this without Georgia. So what do they do? They put Georgia in their back pocket right now, and they drop that, of course, when? Sometime before the election. Sure. Make it as hard for him to win Georgia if he ends up being the nominee, if we end up getting there. A lot has to happen. I get that. But do you put it past them to put Georgia in their back pocket right now to coordinate between the, the cases and it's, say, you guys hold on because yeah. you may be the last line of defense to try to swing this because we can't have him win. There's going to be like seven indictments and four civil trials punishing Trump, you know, just like, you know, everything that's already transpired. I mean, I know, but like we know the ones things. that are going to matter. The ones that are going to matter is whatever happens in D.C. with the same with Jack Smith on January 6th. Whether they're going to go for con, uh, conspir- um, seditious conspiracy. Yeah. Whether they even... Now, I wonder if they can even... Is it possible that they could indict him on the same stuff, the documents thing, given the White House being in... No, or it ha- that's why they moved it to Florida. It can only be in Florida. Well, Mark Levin was saying that Biden should be brought up on seditious conspiracy, right? Uh, yesterday. Uh, charges for what he's done. Well, uh, I, I, I think... About the- trying to take out an opposition president. Right. Well, I think the Florida thing is like like we talked about yesterday, um, because the documents were in Florida. So I guess that's that's, that's where they, that has to be tried. Right. It there, right? Yeah. But you just wonder how many things they're gonna. But keep an eye on the Georgia case. It's coming because without winning Georgia, you most likely the Republican can't win the presidency. I would think. So that well, they dropped the bomb in September, uh, forty days before the election. You know it's. Well, that, that's if you, if you go with the conventional wisdom that you have to win these states. At this point, the way things are going, um, so many people are, are – and again, you're starting to see it across the board. When you, when, that report that I read, 63% of Americans think the FBI needs to be either just dismantled yeah. or completely reorganized. That's across the board. That's every state. 
that's a large that's a large group and that's a large number that means the other side if it's just a if it's just an a or b question um is no everything is great everything isn't great that's only 37 and between now and the election i don't foresee that number going up anytime soon as we see more and more come out with the biden case because the biden case it's obvious they have it. They want to investigate it. They see what the FBI is doing by running cover. And what do they always say? It's the cover up that always gets you. And that's exactly what's playing out here with the Biden case is the cover up. Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee. By the way, has is, uh, is Marble Mouth said one word yet? Has Marble Mouth said one word yet? You mean Cocaine Mitch? Has he said a word yet? I haven't heard it. Where's John Thune? Has he said anything yet? <laughs> no. So we're too worried about what suit he's going to wear the next day. We Leadership the... in the Senate. I mean, you just can't make it up. What were we you going to say, David? We have the Mike Lee uh, tweet from uh, this morning. Sitting president indicts leading challenger. Totally normal. And then he put this up. Do we have that uh, image from Mike Lee on Twitter? Well, while we're, while we're looking for that, I can t- I will put this is what he put out this afternoon. The Biden administration's actions can only be compared to the type of oppressive tactics routinely seen in nations okay. as Venezuela, Bolivia, Nicaragua, Nicaragua. Easy for me to say. God, <laughs> sounds which, like a it sounds like a guy used well, to hang well, out with. Sounds like Biden with the teleprompter today. <laughs> me and uh, Nick here, which are absolutely alien and unacceptable in America. It's an affront to our country's glorious 246-year legacy of independence from tyranny. For the incumbent president of the United States to leverage the machinery of justice against his political rival. Such an act of absolute disrespect echoes uh, making it fundamentally at odds with American democratic values. This action opens a most unsettling chapter. that That last sentence is... Absolutely right. And that's one very creative way to describe an unsettling chapter and what this starts going forward to the next, again, till Election Day. Mike Lee's image was of a Banana Republic, basically. It was pretty funny. Yeah, of people dancing with giant bananas. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do some other news. You guys have other news? David Zier, I know you got a couple of other things on your mind. What else is going on? Yeah, well, I, have, I wanted to go. Uh, OAN did a great piece again uh, yesterday um, that, you know, Jack Smith is terrified of the only standing legal case decision from a court concerning the Presidential Records Act, said Chris Farrell, Director of Investigations at Judicial Watch. Farrell points out that this ruling has existed without challenge or question for 10 years. And Farrell says the ruling in this specific case from 2012 exonerates Trump from any alleged wrongdoing. Because like you said, this is under Presidential Records Act. It shouldn't be espionage. Right? Isn't that what we talked yeah. about earlier? Yep. Um, I'm seeing more and more people pick up on the Jonathan Turley idea that the judge is not going to be able to get this in before the 2024 election, which means the 2024 vote will, could and will be a referendum on where the American public is on this, on a two-tier justice system on the never-ending Trump derangement syndrome, on the never-ending weaponization of the federal government against their enemies, whether that's Catholics, parents, or Donald Trump. Or you and I. Correct. (laughs) Because we don't support them. Hey, you want want to hear something funny? 
From Elon Musk, the parody account, uh, U.S. war criminals, uh, zero indictments. Hunter Biden, zero indictments. The Clintons, zero indictments. Epstein's clients, zero indictments. Anthony Fauci has a grand total of zero indictments. Bill Gates, zero indictments. Donald Trump, of course, he just keeps getting indicted. Yeah. Interesting. All these criminals out there, nobody seems to be able to find anything against them. Meanwhile, the FBI has all the information. Did you see Hillary Clinton today put out a picture of her uh, wearing a cap that said, but her emails literally tweeted it from her account saying, given uh, the, the, in light of the current news, I thought I would break this back out. And it's a picture of her wearing a hat that says, but her emails. (laughs) If she's selling them again, this is, this is the cover and the arrogance that the left has uh, on where they stand in this country. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's like Biden's response yesterday, the more I thought about it, to that question from the guy from, I believe, the New York Post. Mm-hmm. Where's the money then? It's like, one, I mean, just think about that. That's like the response of a crook who gets caught red-handed or off guard and doesn't know what to say. That's what that response is. It's like, mm. oh, it's like a mob boss. What's yeah, she well, trying to say? Hey, where's the dead? Want you? Have you found a body? Have you found the weapon? Yeah, right. Yeah, was he luck. trying to trivialize? Yeah. her. Yeah. Thing? No, he was trying to trivialize. The, the question was because of the five million dollars. They're like, you know, we're, they asked him about the 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 five million dollar payment. What do you he say said, to people who he, say he, you, he go, you sold out the country for five million dollars? Right. He goes, "Where's, where's the, the money? money?" Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about Hillary. Oh, her. she? No, she's yeah. She's just trying to stick it in your face, saying, "Oh, you guys were all about my what about my emails? Well, I didn't get charged." This is the arrogance that they have. Biden, Incredible. the same thing that, with that response. It's Incredible. like, come find it if you dare. Why don't you go try to find the money if you dare? You don't have the, you know what's to go do it. You don't have it. The same thing the FBI is doing to Comer. It's the same exact thing. It's the same, it's got the same intent behind it. Different, but same. Right. Two big middle fingers. That's what it is from all of them to all of us. Come find the money if you think so. Where is it? Oh, you can't find it? Leave me alone. You want to see the document? I don't think you need to see it. You're going to hold me in contempt? Oh, okay. Take a big game of chicken with all of them. And they don't care because they don't think that any of us have the, you know what's to see any of it through. And they're not afraid. They're not afraid of anybody on the Republican side. Not committees, not chairmen. And I think Comer has been as solid as you can be. But where does it go? Where's the, I said this last night, too. If the Republicans don't start talking about using the power of the purse, uh, there's just no hope. Uh, what is it? Where? What is finally going to take for them to start doing something? Right. Where they, on the other side, go, I can't do this. What are they doing? Yeah. What do you mean they took all the money away from the FBI? What do you mean the budget? October 1st, all of this stuff, either we fund it or we don't. Yeah. If we're going to continue to fund it, I, I don't know what to say. And you know who they are afraid of, though? The guy they just indicted. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up for a Friday night. We're back right after this.
live from Studio 6B, 13 to the hour. I want to thank everybody again for, of course, giving us a few hours every night to sit here and talk with you. We always appreciate it. Appreciate David Zier sitting in. He'll be here on Monday as well. Slick Rick is still off. Uh, Rick Delgado's here. Aaron Fran holding it down. Um, you know, the thing I think, as we get to wrap up here, I, I, I think all of us in the conservative side here and big supporters of President Trump should... The one thing I think we don't want to do is get caught up in the, in some of what you're going to hear, that there's just no amount of anything that some people will ever say, you know, this is something to worry about. Because there will be people out there on Twitter land, which is really mostly a cesspool of nonsense, who will tell you that this is no big deal. And that everybody on the right should just, and I, I don't think that that's the right mindset that we should take. I think this is extremely serious. And you, you're up against endless money, endless um, time, endless power. Um, and with people who are, are set on destroying you. So to think that this is not serious, I think it's really not a great idea. Um, and we can try to attack all of the things that we think you know, we can talk about the double standard and all that, but in the end, and it's and, and listen, there, there's some news, obviously, that the judge here uh, is a Trump appointee who, if you remember during the Mar-a-Lago raid, really gave the Department of Justice hell on some of the rulings. Eileen Cannon. Um, so it, there's some, it's interesting there, and you would hope that we could get a jury here if it gets that far which I'm assuming it will, that you can get a jury of, of at least your peers, which you're not going to get in D.C. But for people to walk away over these next couple of days, and I, I just would not get ca too caught up in people who are kind of really cemented in on their position with no objective thought to what's going on and think that this is not um, serious. Because I think it is serious. And I think there's some things in here, that, again, and I go back to where we started the show. Let's hope that it, if this goes, once this starts to go, that there's context and there's cross-examination and there's things from Trump's team. And I don't know if that's why the change in attorneys today or what. Jim Trusty seemed extremely competent to me. I'm sure there's a good reason that he's all of a sudden out and they're going to get new attorneys here. Um, but, you know, you're going to hear... People who tell you it's nothing, and you're going to hear people like Andy McCarthy all over Fox and other places telling you that this is damning and devastating, and if they can prove half of what's in there, that Trump is toast. And that's exactly what he said today, word for word. So you're going to hear a lot of both sides. And uh, I just want everybody to think critically about it and, and gather as much information as you can and try not to be influenced what other people think. Make your own decision on what you think, you know. But Trump had nothing to gain here. You know, the Bidens had everything to gain. You know, they got all their family members doing business abroad, taking flights, 26 flights on Air Force Two to China and Ukraine and all this with Hunter. And Trump has nothing to gain. He gave up billions of dollars to be here. What, was, what would he have to gain by doing this, you know, or by breaking the law intentionally or whatever? So it, the whole thing is uh, very disturbing. Yeah, because... Let's face it, and I know what you're saying, Damon, is to take it seriously because they're using serious uh, power behind this. Yeah. Right? 
They're using serious things like the courts and, and threats of law and imprisonment and incarceration and you name it. They're going to try and wheel out everything they can because, like you said, who are they afraid of? They're afraid of this guy. That's who they're afraid of. And it, it, it you know, begs the question, why are they so afraid of him? Because Trump says an attack on him is an attack on us. Right, but why are they so afraid of him? Because it's because he shook the tree. It's because, not, not only because he shook the trees, because of who's following him. That's who they're really afraid of, right? And, and, and you know, Andrew Tate said the same thing. Uh, he did this great CN, uh, BBC, I think it was a BBC interview, and he just destroys the interviewer who went in there with a preconceived notion of how she's going to take this guy down. And, and he, he laid it out for her as well. He goes, you're not after me. You, you hate the fact that people are following me. And you hate that they like my message. And that's exactly why they're going after Trump. If Trump was, if Trump was out there saying, I'm going to be an independent, and, I'm gonna, and he was touting the same crap policies they were, they'd all be behind him because he'd be one of them. But he's not one of them. And they were one of him because when The Apprentice was on, all the liberals loved him. Well, of course. <laughs> they loved him because he wasn't a threat. He, didn't, he, he wasn't a threat to their way of life the way they, the way they do democracy. Um, now he's a threat, and they can't have that. The rhinos can't have it. Mitch McConnell's can't have it. And, and uh, you know, the Green Goblin on the other side can't have it. They cannot have this because they have their way of life. We are all just, we are all just you know, the, the little plebes on the bottom, um, and we'll take whatever shekels they throw our way, basically, is the way they look at us. There's a lot to be answered to here. There's a lot in this that uh, we need answers to. Um, the, this whole thing about him, them using his own statements about classified information, why that's in there, um, I think that's interesting to know. be interesting to see what counsel starts to get out there on Trump's side and talk about this now, that it's not going to be Jim Trusty, obviously. We'll see what develops over the weekend. I thought they had already named the, uh, the attorney. So I, I feel think, like this guy was already I, I, in I the queue. I think the president on Truth named one. Right. I think this guy was, yeah, already in the queue. One firm, right. right. But he said there will be others. Right. Um, so that, so that, that's where we're at. But you're going to hear a lot of things coming at you over the weekend on, on where this is. And nobody knows, honestly, where this is. And then Joe Scarborough says, I think this morning, you know, he went off, uh, Republicans don't give a damn about law and order. <laughs> and then, then Rachel Maddow was going off on how uh, they're going to use this Trump indictment for Trump to make a deal to drop out of the race and everything will get dropped. And these people that, are that's, just crazy. See, that's what they want. They yeah. don't want him to run. They know they can't beat him. They know they cannot beat him legitimately, and even if it means going to court and getting their asses kicked in court, as long as they can tie him up in court and get the headlines, they'll be happy with that because that'll hurt him. They think that'll hurt him. But what they, you know, the whole court thing, the whole indictment thing, they still can't clear that first hurdle of the president has this uh, this wide authority to take what he wants. You know, when it comes to documents, they can't clear it. I would, um, I would continue to keep Jonathan Turley's statement and what we talked about last night in the back of your mind through this whole thing. In the end, we the people are going to be the final judge and jury here if it comes to that. 
in November of 24. And we're going we're gonna to find out just how sick and tired people are of what we're seeing. So you can always hang your hat on that. Everything else in between is probably going to be a lot of noise. Uh, but we'll see. One thing we know about this president, he's not going to back down. He's not going to go away. He's not going to kneel. He's not going to take a knee. He's not going to go in the corner and feel sorry for himself. He's going to fight. Just like this country fights, just like the people of this country fight, that's why he represents the people of this country. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to be up against it like no one has ever been up against it. He's going to have incoming from all sides. This is it. This is their final push now. Yeah. This is it. This is the final push to, as, um, who said it? I can't remember. It's not enough for him to lose. He needs to be destroyed. Someone like Trump can never rise again. You remember that? Was yep. it Weissman or it was somebody who said those exact words? Right. That's where we're at. They're on the final push for that now. That's where we're at. As always, we salute our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs. Thanks, guys, on the show, trying to work through a tough night uh, as best we can. Thank you, the audience. Aaron Friend, as always, most of all, you, the audience. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see where we are come Monday night. We'll be here 8 p.m. live from Studio 6B.